Please be seated. We're doing a series called Encountering God in a Disenchanted Age, and we're walking through the book of Exodus. We're learning about God as he revealed himself to the Israelites, to Pharaoh, and now to us. So this past August, my wife took the opportunity that I completely blew off because I thought I was too cool for it, and that was to see the eclipse, the total eclipse. And she did what everybody needed to do if you're going to see the eclipse, which you needed to, uh, to buy scientifically engineered NASA-approved glasses, number one. Uh, number two, she needed to be at the right place at the right time, and some of you went all the way to the path of totality, didn't you, to see the eclipse. And then number three, she had to uh, get the glasses affixed to the eyes and look up at just the right moment to see the beautiful darkness of the sun passing over, or the moon passing over the path of the sun. And she did the same for our kids. And I was like, too cool to see it. And so I came home, I was like, how was the eclipse, everybody? And they were like, it was so cool. I was like, ah, I missed it, missed my opportunity. They were like, oh, I'll, I'll never forget this. It'll, it's just an amazing sight. And so great, wonderful. So I looked it up, and there's other opportunities. In seven years, uh, April of 2024 is the next total eclipse. And March 2033 after that, and August 2044. So there's a few opportunities in your lifetime, if you are still alive, to see the total eclipse. You and me together, we'll be looking for glasses. So <clears throat> listen, there's a reality about God that you might be too cool for. There's a, there's a quality about God that you might blow off because you think it's too cliche, and that is the faithfulness of God. This is the quality of God where he makes good on his incredibly good promises. It's one of the most beautiful things about the living God. And if you've ever seen God's faithfulness, you know that you'll never forget it. If you've really seen him make good on his good promises to you, maybe when you were least expecting it, you'll never forget it. But we might miss it because there's some key opportunities, like with the eclipse, that in our life there's things that happen to us or the things that we do that give us a great opportunity to see the beauty of God's faithfulness. But we have to look up at the right time. So we're going to talk about what, when those times are going to come to pass. Moses had many opportunities to see God's faithfulness, and this text was one of them. Both he and the people of Israel had an opportunity people of Israel did not look up to see God's faithfulness. They were too broken in their spirit to do it. But Moses looked up to see God, even in his complete disillusionment and discouragement. He looked up at just the right moment, and he saw something that would change him for the rest of his life, which he saw God revealing himself as faithful, making good on his good promises. You know, we need to look up and see the same thing. As your pastor, I'm praying for you that when you encounter these situations that Moses encountered, that you'd look up to, because there's nothing sweeter than knowing God's faithfulness. There's nothing more stabilizing to the soul and encouraging than knowing God's faithfulness. So let's look at what Moses and the people of Israel went through, shall we? And talk about three opportunities, three strange opportunities even, to, see, to look up and see the faithfulness of God. The first one is, uh, is one we've talked about before in this series, and that is personal failure. Personal failure is a wonderful opportunity to see God's faithfulness. 
When you've totally let everybody down, including yourself, when you've totally failed, when things blow up in your face, it's a great opportunity to see God go, hey, I'll take it from here, give me the baton, I'll run the last lap and win the race on your behalf. And then you're like, oh, wow, God's faithful, even when I let him down, even when I let other people down. So let's look at uh, Exodus 5. Now Moses is coming into Egypt after a long period of exile. He's already, been fa- he's already failed, and God actually restored him by revealing himself to him and giving him a renewed call to bring liberation to the people of Israel and to unite them. And he really doubted that God could do this, that he really doubted that he could do this with God's power. But then something amazing happened. At the end of Exodus 4, we read that Moses and Aaron shared with the people of Israel all that God told them. And the crazy thing is that the elders of Israel totally believed them. And they all worshiped. I mean, it was this very unexpected moment of spiritual revival among the people of Israel. Now, at this point, it appears through the subtleties of the text of Exodus that Moses came in with a little bit of a swagger to to Pharaoh's courts. A little bit on a roll, like, yeah, I got this. Spirit of God's on me. I've got this staff that turns into a snake. And so he goes in, and you know what he does? He starts ad-libbing and saying things that God never told him to say to Pharaoh. And he takes a, the Lord gave him a polite request to give to Pharaoh. And what Moses comes in and does is he takes that polite request and he adds some cayenne pepper to it and is like making it kind of spicy and a little bit in your face. Because he's Moses and, you know, he's on a roll. God told him to say, the Lord has met with us, Pharaoh. Now, please, would you let us go to the wilderness for a three days journey? And he said, not only are you to say that to Moses or to, to Pharaoh, you are to take Aaron and you're to take the whole, uh, all of the elders of Israel with you. So don't go in just by yourselves. Take all of the elders of Israel with you and say, the Lord God has met with us. Please let us go on a three days journey. And what does Moses do? He takes Aaron with him and he leaves the elders of Israel out. What else does Moses do? He doesn't say, please, you know, the Lord has met with us. He says to him, well, let's look, Exodus 5.1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went, again, without the elders of Israel, and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, okay, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. All right, how do you think Pharaoh's gonna respond to that? Thus says the Lord, let my people go. Now, it sounds great, and it's part of the, the lore of the, of the book of, of Exodus, and God certainly used it, um, but this is not following God's instructions. This is not following God's instructions, and what happened is that Pharaoh said, get back to work, you're lazy, and I'm going to make things worse. So for the second time in his life, Moses has made things worse for his own people trying to do the right thing. So after he thought he was good, After he thought he had the magic back, he totally falls on his face and makes everything worse for people. It is a profound moment of personal failure for Moses. But this is really important for for all of us who are failing, because we all will fail. He looks up to God. So if you skip down to Exodus 5, verse 22, here's the conversation that would ensue a little later. 
Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? Now, this isn't the perfect prayer, but at least he's talking to God, okay? And then verse 23, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in his name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Come on, God, what's, what's the matter? What's, what's happening here? Why did you ever send me? I told you I can't talk good. I told you it wasn't gonna go well. Now, this is an important thing. So Moses has failed, and now God has an opportunity to reveal his faithfulness. Let's, what, how does God answer him? Exodus 6 uh, tells us, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see. Now you shall see. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Hey, Moses, I'm not discouraged by your despondency. I'm not put off course by your failure. I'm still the Lord. Now you're gonna get to see me be the Lord. Now you're gonna get to see me be faithful to you. Now you're gonna get to see me be faithful even through your failure. I'm even gonna use your failed attempt to bring freedom to your people. And this is what God does with our failures. Even if you think about the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ where Jesus Christ was uh, experienced incredible injustice in the, in, uh, both from the religious leaders and political leaders, and also where he voluntarily took upon himself all of our moral failings, all the ways that we've let other people down, all the horrible things that have been done that if we trust to him, he will take into himself and give his blood and give his body for the life of the world and take all of our failures and turn them into redemption and turn them into life. That's God being faithful to you. That's God being faithful even in your failures. It is the moment. Have you failed? Has anyone here failed? Is anyone here in the process of failing? You failed a test. You failed an audition. You failed a person. You failed a, a, an attempt even at a conversation. That's the exact moment to look up and see God be faithful to you because he loves you. He'll take the baton and carry it the rest of the way. And this is such an important lesson. I'll tell you why. From here on out, Guess who follows God's instructions to the T? You got it, Moses. Moses stopped ad-libbing after this moment because he saw God's faithfulness, and he's like, I'm gonna stop inserting my own ad-lib, you know, uh, good ideas to what God has already revealed. And from here on out, you see a spiritual gravity and an authority to Moses that is grounded in the faithfulness of God. Don't you want that for your life? As you, as you go out, as you live out your calling, don't you want God's weighty and trustworthy faithfulness to be with you and for you to be able to trust God even more than you trust your own talents, even more than you, than, than you trust your own strengths? Those things are good. They're given to you by God, but don't you wanna trust God more? And then also, wouldn't you like to trust God with your failures? Because he can use that too. So that's one opportunity to see God's faithfulness but there's a second one, and that is unmet expectations, okay? Unmet expectations. So Paul Tripp uh, wrote a book called What Did You Expect? And the book is about marriage. And it's a, a great book, and if you're thinking about marriage, you should pick it up. What did you expect? It's a good question because a lot of people bring, I'd have to say engaged couples have heavy expectations sometimes for, for how marriage is going to be. 
And even if you're not engaged, you can have heavy expectations for, for marriage or for friendship, for that matter, for church, for, for your calling. How meaningful is it going to be? How easy is it going to be? So it's like, oh, you know what? Step one, meet my soulmate. Step two, have an epic yet folksy wedding. <laughs> Step three, have amazing friendship. Step four, have a brilliant children. Okay. Step five, be the best parent of the decade and correct all of my parents' failures. <laughs> How's that going to turn out? Pass the popcorn. What did you expect, Moses? What did you expect, foremen and leaders of Israel? Step one, waltz into Pharaoh's court. Step two, share the good news that he's going to let us go. Step three, watch him cry. <laughs> Step four, board the chariot with some Egyptian swag and drink to our health. Cue the credits. <laughs> now, pass the popcorn and let's see how this turns out. Verses six through nine of East, uh, Exodus 5, verses 6 through 9 of Exodus 5. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. So hear the mocking language. Oh, you want to go? You can go. Get straw. Verse 8, but the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regards for lying words. So here we have the expectations of how easy it's going to be. Go up in flames. So what do we do when your expectations aren't met? How do you feel when someone you're in a relationship with, they don't meet expectations, they don't show up when they said they're going to show up, it's not as good as you thought it was going to be? Get kind of angry, don't you? Get kind of frustrated, like, what were you thinking? You didn't, say what, you didn't do what you were saying you were going to do? I thought it was going to be like this? And the foremen are angry, and, they, and you know what they do? They, they put all their anger on Moses. And they say to him in Exodus 5.20, uh, Exodus 5.20, they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, verse 21, the Lord look on you and judge because you made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now here's the thing. You know what unmet expectations usually results from? Uh, selective listening. Okay, we weren't really listening when someone told us how it was going to go. And in Exodus 3.19, the Lord told Moses to tell Israel how it was going to go. And in Exodus, 3, in Exodus 4, it says Moses told them. Moses told them everything, including how it was going to go. Here's what God said. The Lord said, the king of Israel will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. After that, he will let you go. It hasn't happened yet. There's no mighty hand. 
God said, it's not going to happen unless I make things really hard for Pharaoh. It's going to get really intense, and after that, he will let you go. And I think what the elders of Israel were doing was they, was they were tuning into the part about we're going to get delivered from Egypt, but they were tuning out the part about how hard it was going to be. And we do this too. We absolutely do selective listening with the same Lord. The Lord says, uh, in this world, you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world, and I give you my peace. And we love the part about I've overcome the world. And we love the part about I'll give you my peace and I'll be with you forever. But we kind of sometimes tune out the part of in this world you will have tribulation. And so when we do have tribulation, we're like, where were you, God? But Jesus told us that we were going to have tribulation in this life. And if we tune him out, that's going to set us up for unmet expectations that things are going to go amazing. Jesus also said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies... It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. And we love fruitfulness. I love fruitfulness. We love for everything in our life to be fruitful, financially fruitful, fruitful romantically, fruitful with our, with our education, fruitful with our career. We want fruit. We want fruit. We want spiritual fruit. We want all kinds of fruit. But how many of us are eagerly praying, Lord, make me a dying seed Lord, show me what it means to die. Lord, join me, let me join with the sufferings of Christ so that I can also know the sweetness of his resurrection. Do any of us pray those prayers? But he told us. He told us that the two go together. He told us that in this life we would have tribulation. There's nothing easy about following Jesus. But we've been doing selective listening. It's a temptation for all of us, self-included. So when those expectations go unmet, when those expectations are crushed, that is the exact time to do what Moses did, which is to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, my expectations are crushed. This is not how I thought it would go. And the Lord says, let me take it from here. This is the time where I'm gonna show you that I'm gonna make good on, your, on my good promises. So he says to Moses um, in this revelation here in um, uh, chapter six, verse five and six, the Lord says to Moses, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. All right? So in other words, here's me being faithful in the short term. I'm listening. I'm here. I'm showing empathy. I'm about to act. And then here's the long-term faithfulness. Verse 6, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and with great acts of judgment. Moses and Israel, I'm going to be faithful to you in the short term, and I'm going to be faithful to you in the long term. This disappointment that you have about Pharaoh being cruel, this disappointment that you have about it taking a long time, you haven't seen anything yet. Just you wait until you are standing before the spray of the Red Sea and you are seeing my faithfulness split the waters. Just you wait until I bring you through those waters and I drown your enemies. Just you wait until I bring you into the promised land. I will do it. I'll make good on my good promises. And Israel and Moses would never, ever forget it. They would never forget going from being crushed by false expectations and unmet expectations to being redeemed by the hand of the Lord. And all of us can join them. All of us in the short term, when we've been disappointed, 
in our marriages or in our community or in our jobs or in our calling or whatever it might be or with our bodies, if we have any kind of loss, if we have any kind of disappointment, we can see in the short term the Lord is with us. And he's provided for us not in ways that we necessarily wanted or planned, but he's certainly come through for us. If we uh, opened it up here this morning, I'd, I could ask you and I would, we, we'd hear lots of different ways that the Lord has provided for you when your expectations were crushed. And then in the long term, friends, we haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet as it, re- as it relates to the resurrection of the body. So speaking of seed, another writer in scripture said, here's what the resurrection's like. Your body, when it dies, is like a seed. But then when it's resurrected, it's like a tree. If your life right now is like a seed, and all your work and love and worship is like a seed, what is the tree going to be like through the power of God? We haven't seen anything yet. If this world is like a seed, and when the Lord remakes heaven and earth, it's like a tree, what's that tree going to be like? We haven't seen anything yet. God has just only begun to show us his faithfulness. And it is when, our, when we are disappointed, when we are crushed by expectations that were not realistic, that's the time to look up and see the beautiful sight of God's faithfulness. So he's faithful in our personal failure, and that's the time to see it. He's faithful uh, when our expectations have been crushed. And finally, he is faithful, and it's time to see his faithfulness when uh, we have experienced the cruelty of false deliverers the cruelty of false deliverers. When our false gods have been cruel to us, man, that's a great time to see God's faithfulness. So the foreman of Israel, at one point, they probably had some kind of calculation in their heads where they're like, you know what? I've just recently heard about the Lord, but I can see Pharaoh, and he's really powerful. Man, if only he would be a little nicer. If only he would just kind of change his mind. If only he would make things just a little easier, maybe he can be our deliverer. Think about it. You know, maybe Pharaoh, if we start a respectful dialogue with him, kind of a two-way dialogue and just kind of sit down and, and talk things out and come to an understanding, you know, we're being reasonable, maybe he'll be reasonable, and maybe he'll let us go. And so what do they do? Uh, they come to him like they should have come to the Lord, Exodus 5, verse 15. Look there with me. Exodus 5, verse 15. You know, instead of turning to the Lord, here's what they do. The foreman of the people of Israel came and cried out. This is prayer language. Cried out. Cried out to Pharaoh. And what did they say to Pharaoh? Why do you treat your servants like this? This is so sad. They're referring to themselves as Pharaoh's servants. Why do you treat your servants like this? Please, Pharaoh, make things a little easier for your servants. We're at your beck and call. Don't make us get straw. Maybe you can provide straw for us. Let's go back to how things used to be. And maybe over time, we can gradually, you know, come to an understanding. And this only set them up for for cruelty. Pharaoh is cruel. All false gods are cruel in one way or another. And so Pharaoh says to them, you're lazy. You're idle. Get back to work. And this is what all false gods will say to us. We could come to anything in creation 
that's otherwise good, but if we look to them as if it's going to save us, they'll be cruel to us. And so we say, oh, romance, money, meaningful work, iPhone 8, progress, the long arc of history, bending in the direction of justice, would you please save me and save my world? And we, we cry out to these things that are otherwise good, but we look to them to provide what only God has said he would provide. And what do they say to us? What does money say to us? What does work say to us? What, what does progress say to us? What does technology say to us? What does romance say to us? Get back to work. You're not doing enough for the cause. Go out, go out, and, go out and, 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 and expend yourself, and maybe I'll pay attention to you, and maybe I'll love you, and maybe I'll deliver you, but you're not doing enough. We look to these false gods, and they give us unrealistic, impossible expectations. That's what false gods do to us. You know what Jesus does to us, the one who is called faithful and true? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the kind of faith. God's faithfulness is kind. God's faithfulness is gentle. God's faithfulness is personal. This is why God says to Moses, God, said, God revealed himself to Moses in verses seven and eight of chapter six, Exodus six, seven and eight. Here's this beautiful God saying, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you from out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Pharaoh's gonna put burdens on you. Money's gonna put burdens on you. Any false God's gonna put burdens on you, but I'm gonna take you out from under these burdens. Verse eight, I will bring you into the land, this inheritance that I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. What a kind and faithful God to do that for his people. My friends, you are his people too. By turning to Jesus Christ, you can receive everything that God wants to give to you. And it's so much more than any false deliverer, whether it's a person or a force or an idea or a system could give to you in this life. And when you experience the cruelty of a false god, of a false deliverer, that's the exact time, my friends, that's the exact time to turn to the cross and see God being faithful to you, see him coming through for you. So nine years ago, all these things were converging for Laura and I when we were looking at moving to a new city. And we had you know, a little boy, and we had another little boy on the way, and he was going to be seven days old when we moved. And I didn't have a job, and we didn't know how it was all going to work out, and we just felt so heavy. We just felt like, this isn't going to go well, and how are we going to make it, and where is the kindness going to be, and where's the faithfulness going to be? And my wife uh, made uh, the beautiful move of going to Lake Michigan one morning, watching the sunrise, and bringing all these concerns to the Lord, and saying, God, what if we're making the biggest mistake of our marriage? What if we're making the biggest mistake of our life? What if all of this blows up in our face and we fail? 
And the Lord's word to her through the Holy Spirit was, well, then how much more will I be with you? How much more will I be with you? It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. Maybe it's failure or maybe it's, maybe it's you, you've got unmet expectations from other people or, or yourself or, or maybe you've just been crushed because someone or something has absolutely let you down and you're burned out from that. How much more will I be with you, the Lord says. I'll be your God and you'll be mine. I'm gonna take you as my own and I'll be faithful to you now and I'm gonna be faithful to you in the long term. Give it to me. Give to me your disillusionment. Give me your failure. Give me your unmet expectations and I'll take that baton and I'll run the last lap and you will see faithful and true crossing the finish line on your behalf. Don't you want that? It's an offer for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.